Welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm still not Kathy. <laughs> uh, John has a night off. He uh, decided to go a little bit crazy at uh, his concert last night and has got a little bit of a sore throat. Not feeling so well, so he decided to take the night off, which is okay. He went to a concert and uh, looked like it was an outside concert, so I'm sure it was. He just probably got some allergy stuff going on. Um, other than that, today's episode. We're going to talk about making your army unique, not following studio paint schemes, um, just kind of changing it up a little bit. Um, other than that, John, yeah, John had fun. Good for him. Um, he had a night out of partying. Um, so, but maybe he'll give us a review of it uh, when he gets back next week. Um, so let's go ahead and get down to the business. Uh, we want to thank Turbo Dork for being an awesome sponsor. Uh, if you have not gotten to me about getting your discount code so you can get your stuff, let me know and I will give you your discount code. We had uh, our last giveaway and uh, maybe we can talk to them to giving some more giveaways when I see them at Warfare Weekend. We want to thank Muse on Minis. Uh, make sure you go check out them for all of your needs for tokens and widgets and uh, also, I have some pretty good Infinity slash Warcaster terrain that will work really well. Um, want to thank Midnight Heroes uh, for being a sponsor. They are providing a really awesome new uh, game coming out with their midges, mid, with their chibi minis, and uh, the uh, the game is played on a very small mat, so it'll be pretty interesting to. Um, to see whenever we get demos of it at Warfare Weekend. Um, we want to thank uh, Parabellum War Games for their game Conquest, which Jim will be painting up some uh, Velociraptors uh, on stream. I'm sure he'll let us know that way we can kind of promote that because those are like the thing um, everybody's looking to do. Um, miss anything? Mini Masterworks. Make sure you go check out um, our friends at Mini Masterwork, and you can also use another good discount code, and you can um, get some cool product from them also. To get everybody, I think I got everybody. I think I did. <laughs> if I didn't, I'm sorry, but that's what's going to have to be for right now. Um, so, like I said, today's episode, we're going to be talking about. Not only painting, but like designing your bases, anything to make your army a little bit unique without completely, um, without completely, um, changing how it is, best way to put it, you know, not following studio schemes, but make it unique to you. Uh, Captain Mizzy, you will have to contact, um, uh, Turbo Dork and ask them. I'm sure it's probably online only, but you may be able to convince them to bring it with them to Warfare Weekend instead of emailing it or not emailing it, e uh, sending it through the mail. You could possibly contact them and see if they'll do that. I know some studios, some people that show up at the convention will like, Hey, you order from us and you're going to be there. Just to bring it to Warfare Weekend. And then usually they do. So let's see. Um, other than that, uh, so let's go ahead and give, um, we got some good shout outs uh, this week. And actually it's kind of a sad, but a good shout out this week. Um, if everybody know, James Earl Jones has signed away 
that he is no longer going to be doing Darth Vader's voice. That he is done hanging up his hat of Vader. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's kind of a, a big thing. For everybody to know, I mean, that's been the voice of Vader since, what, 70-something? Um, and I don't think he's, I mean, I mean, he's known for other things, of course, but anytime you hear Darth, anytime you see your Darth Vader in a line of spoken, you hear James Earl Jones voice. And so, um, I kind of gonna, gonna miss that, but I'm sure the gentleman's getting up there in age. Hey, Mose. Uh, so we're going to give a big shout out to James Earl Jones for hanging up his hat. Uh, for that. Now, the really tricky and really important topic of the day. What's everybody drinking tonight? Uh, Jim, what are you drinking tonight? We've got the cranberry, ginger ale, and some rum. Some Kraken. Some Kraken. Well, being that I had half of my arm tattooed, I'm going to have to drink some water because I need definitely need to get my... Uh, my uh you know hydration on because everything's going through my system and i'm trying to i'm swollen up on my left arm which is still kind of sore and you know of course tender so guys we appreciate you coming on we appreciate you listening we appreciate you watching um if you ever want to uh have us cover a topic have someone on do anything let us know we'll gladly do that um Please take care of yourself. Please look after each other. Cheers. Cheers. I do not know why the stickers are not working right now. I guess the sticker things are down. Um, if you're wanting to do stickers they should be up I don't know why they're not up on the screen uh, give me a minute and I'll see if I can figure out why the panel's not working while you're figuring that out I'll just kind of start off with the whole how do you make your army different and I figured I'd start out with this since you were just talking about Turbo Dork that would be the color shift paints on the Osirix and the Lumineth here I didn't use Turbo Dork paints or Color Shift. I used Interference paints. Basically, that's what those are. I basically used them in their raw form so that I could have a little more control over them. The Turbo Dork paints, you get a one that would be like a green to purple transition. That's what you get. Here, I use the individual color. And you can get these in acrylics, too. I know. I think even Green Stuff World just sells the Interference colors so essentially they have acrylic versions of these these are the oil version there's basically five colors i got three of them here red blue green there's also a violet and a gold and all they do is they just kind of combine these powders because that's how all pigments start out as a powder they just combine them in different amounts and then they have that's where your color shifting stuff happens here i basically had a little more control of it you can see as we rotate this guy around you can see there's some blue there violet there it turns to green there Again, this is sort of a blue to violet transition on the armor. This side has green, transitions into some violet there. The rest of the Osiarch is painted exactly, uh, I think this is from the 
Dread, whatever the, uh, it's not, uh, it's not War Cry, and it's not the other game, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's, otherwise, it's pretty much the same as a standard Osiric. Here, the horse is the same, right, uh, obviously the basing a little bit different, but I use the interference paints here, so there's a little bit of a shimmering effect, you know, Luminance kind of should be sort of mystical and magical, and here you can see that sort of shimmers between the purple and the blue and the magenta. And all I had to do was use the interference paints for that. So it's kind of a simple way of painting the miniature, and it just gives it something a little bit different flavor from what you would see on the, the box art. I guess we'll just use it as kind of a generic term right now, box art. Not that GW has box art. Oh, East Wait a minute. I, I, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you before we get too deep in this, but I wanted to bring up something that happened this week um, that needed to be talked about about GW before we get way too far, and especially when we switch over to the painting cam. Um, so recently, um, GW has released a new army for 40k. <laughs> the the Votans. For anybody to know, the Votans are pretty much dwarves. Squats. The, the squats. They brought him back. And um, there is a huge, huge uprising among the competitive community about the Votan. <laughs> banned in Germany. Um, they're getting banned everywhere. Every major type GT convention. And it started with Germany. Uh, they actually banned the entire army from being played in tournament play. Now, we all know that GW armies, you know, for the most part, a lot of stuff is broken. A lot of it's OP. We all know this. That That's kind of their, their shtick. You find the most OP stuff in the game in your army and you play it, so on and so forth. But there are people that have been playing the that had the release book and all this other stuff. And of course the embargo on it is now lifted and so people can talk about it. And these are, this army is breaks every single rule on top of breaking every single rule. It completely destroys everything in seconds. Even their baseline troops are just taking down any, everything and anything in its path. And people are complaining. They were like, this book should have never been written. You can tell this was never tested, blah, 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 you know, so on and so forth, which is a very GW thing to do. Let's bring out the most broken stuff, let people buy it, and then we'll fix it later if we need to or want to. But instead of doing that this time, people are just banning it before it even can get out. Like Germany is 100% said, you can't play this in any tournament in Germany. Um, there are people starting to ban them all over the place. Cause I mean, it's, I, I'm not a huge GW rules person, but I have a friend of mine that is, um, and he's a judge and I asked him and he says, yeah, these guys are completely broken. And he told me the rules and I was like, that's kind of ridiculous when five baseline troops can take out a, um, what are their big colossal? Well, like, like. Terminators uh, or Dreadnoughts or Titans? Yeah, Titans. Five baseline troops can take out a Titan pretty easily. And I'm like, oh, that, that's not good. <laughs> you wonder why I play Middle-Earth SBG? Yeah. You wonder why? This is... They, they can't do that crap in that game. 
Hey, Sarge. Thanks for the bitties. Thank you for the bits. We appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it's kind of a unique thing because people are used to GW bringing overpowered broken stuff. Um, but when the community starts saying, hey, this is not right, that's something you should pay attention to, in my opinion. Because that means the community is policing the game better than you. And if they're policing it like banning, that's bad. Especially for GW, for 40k army. This is beyond belief what people were expecting. You know, you do expect, you know, a new army to be a little overpowered because people aren't used to it. You know, people got to learn it. You know, stuff like that. But for whatever reason and all the stuff is just like really, 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 really bad. So it's, it's kind of, kind of crazy right now. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are very upset about this and stuff. And so they're, I don't say they're quitting the game, but they're just like, I won't play anybody that's playing the Votans. So will it hurt GW sales? No. Well, they continue to sell the models? Yes. Will they fix the book and make them a little less powerful? Eh, probably. But it'll be a little bit before they do that because they want people to buy everything. It could hurt them a little bit this time because people aren't necessarily sold on the aesthetic either. So if it's an army you can't play when you buy it and you're and people don't even really like necessarily how they look, then that that's that's kind of a little bit more than just, oh, they're a little overpowered and people will just look at me sideways and give me a low sportsmanship score. When it's like, I can't take this to a tournament, so why bother getting it and building it and take all the time of making it if I can't bring it to a tournament? Yeah, see, that's what I'm wondering if, if uh, people are actually, like people are probably going to buy it anyway and just wait until it gets fixed. Or if people are just going to not buy it and wait till it gets fixed and maybe the models are a little bit cheaper so it'll be interesting to see um how it goes i just it's, this is the first time i've ever you know really seen a i don't want to say boycott but that's the quickest and easiest way to say it that they're like the players are like whoa gw you need to look at this but i mean What's sad is these people's got the you know, a brand new book on it, and it's going to be eroded pretty quickly. Uh, most magic, most you're you're 100 correct. I, I was just going there. Um, people are tired of buying a 50 to 60 dollar book, and then that book being invalid as soon as they buy it. Um, it's the reason why I'm all for digital. I know people don't like it, and they like to have a book and you know have a cards or whatever, but. Um, I don't feel like buying a book in, you know, unless I'm buying it for the fluff. Let's all take that back. Let's, unless we're buying it for fluff, it's kind of just the, you know, why am I going to buy a rule book whenever the rule book is just going to be invalidated in a couple of weeks? All the rules, all the points, and GW is known for doing that. That's, you know, how they kind of make their money is by bringing out new rule books for new things and errata and everything quickly. But I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of over that now. Uh, I like the way Pri privateer press is doing it. They're like, 
we're only going to do a book. They've only done one book in a long time, and it was the Thousand Worlds for Warcaster. And it had a huge amount of fluff. The rules, the model rules, and then like a good painting guide, you know, good, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but it was a good fluff book, and it came with a Kickstarter, so I wasn't worried about it. Would I have bought this book if it wasn't a Kickstarter? Probably not. But was it a good book? Hell yeah. It's one of the best best setting books I've ever seen. Um, so <clears throat> I think people are, you know, I think people are finally done with doing that. I mean, you're going to have your diehards that are going to do it anyway. I don't have the money to buy, you know, a $50, $60 book every four to five months, depending on what's going on. I mean, that's the reason why I like digital. I'm like, oh, they had to change the baseline models and it's updated in the app. Cool. Don't have to worry about it anymore. My models are, my army lists are already fixed or I have to change them because of maybe points value went changed. So, I don't know. It was just, it was, a, it was the first time I've really seen this kind of happen in a while. And I don't know if it was just DW's like, fuck it. Or if they were like, we're going to do what we want. We don't care what you want. But a lot of people were very upset about it. So. All right. Sorry about that. Quick rant off. Um, but let's go ahead now. I'm going to go over the painting cam because I want to work on my stuff. And get everything in. I'm, I'm going to show the models too while we're talking about this. Because I want to talk about making it unique besides making it painting. So let me get this ready. Uh, besides the paint. Because, I mean, you can paint your army anything you want, any way you want. Nobody's going to care. If somebody cares about how you paint your army, especially if you're not in studio scheme, fuck them. Because it's your model so you can do what you want. Type thing. So let me grab this stuff. So I picked up two boxes for Mal Malifo. It's kind of pretty much gives me my entire army. I'll put this one over here. Um, witching hour, which comes with two witching witchling handlers and two witchling thralls. Do they? Do I know what they do? No, not one bit. Not one bit. Let me fix my camera. Um, it did come with two larger bases, so I'm either thinking that's the witchling thralls go on that, but they're not very big models either. All right, so of course you can tell. Look, this person actually has a peg for their legs. But I mean, tiny, tiny models. Um... Warcaster model. MCP model. Comparatively. MCP is a little bit bigger. That's Deadpool, so I mean, you know, whatever. But um, these are the two Witchling handlers. Which one of them's got a top hat, which I'm happy about. And then I'm guessing the witchlings are going to go on the, the big bases. Um, 
since see here's here's what I'm talking about. The feet they're kind of they're not pegged hold, they're slatted. So it's kind of weird. Um and then I got next was chained magic. And these are sorcerers. Small bases. Um and these are just floating spellcasters. Uh, let me get the box art for you. Three sanctioned spellcasters and Thurlian Quellers. All the spellcasters are kind of floating on cloaks, which is kind of cool. So, no big deal. Really cool looking pieces. The spellcasters. So put that over there. Put that over there. And so John always says, I guess you get more bases than you need. <laughs> and so I've got a ton of bases. And I'm guessing, like I said, the big ones are for the witchlings. But you got me. So, hey, before we get started, Jim, have you ever used... I'm, I'm sure you've used Nidatite, right? Um, is that is that the different version of green stuff, or is yeah. that... Um, I've used it for sculpting. I never used it for things like Texture Wars, because it just sticks in there and never comes out again. <laughs> Unless you want to use olive oil or something like that. So I only use it for sculpting purposes. I... Well, shit. I have used it for both. And hold on a second. I started using it for the texture roller. And I found out if I, you know, put a little bit of water on it, it's good to go. On the top of it, it won't stick as much. Sorry, I dropped all of my stuff. So, I'm going to get this ready. I'm going to have to play with it like usual. For some reason, the stickers extension is not working. I do not know why. I will have to research that after the podcast. So, all right. So, let's go ahead and talk about making your army unique but let's talk about besides the paint job how can you make your army unique besides the paint job jim what do you think about that the easiest and fastest way to do that is through basing because it also sets an entire theme through your army turns each miniature into a little basically its own diorama now, what I'm going to do here is just show a few different ones here. Let me see if I can grab one more. Let me see if this has... No, it doesn't have the imagery I was hoping to see on it. But let's just grab these these couple of guys right here. So you have essentially the same exact type of base. It's a piece of cork, piece of sculpey on top, and there's even a flamey skull. All I did was I just changed the imagery on the base. So it's even the same type of basing. You change the imagery on the base, 
totally different theme from the exact same type of basing. You also have something like, well, this that I did for for this unit, so a nice desert base theme. This is not how things come out of the box. And this is not something you're going to see nine times out of 10, or maybe 10 times out of 10. So you have a really good chance of something unique like this. Also, too, and this was really, 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 really simple. That's balsa wood. That's nothing but balsa wood. And then the flames were done using the same heavy gloss gel that I use for icicles, for water effects, for you name it. And guess what? I've used the same balsa wood here to make deck bases for my uh, Corsairs of Umbar. So it's literally the same thing, just no flames this time around. And no little broken Rohan shields. Okay, we want to have sort of a Moria-themed fellowship. Well, guess what? Here we go. I mean dwarf theme texture roller and guess what i use the same theme for my Kazadoom dwarves for my moria goblins and all it is is just it's the way that's it, painted but then of course you have that dwarf texture roller there you have the same scopey blocks that i used on that artisan guild figure here's another example this was wild west exodus where the heck did she go she was right over here somewhere there she is so this was back in the days where MDF terrain was the thing. There was no 3D printing at the time. These are just leftover bits. You know, all the stuff that you would pop out as you were putting together your MDF terrain piece or whatever, the little squares, the circles, I saved those. And I took a little plastic gear. These are just a leftover piece of sprue. And this is how I did all of my union stuff. I think at least half of my factions were based like this. So that's another way of making your steampunk because uh, wild uh sorry weird uh what is that malifaux that's a steampunk game basically right steampunk cthulhu-ish yeah even to a degree there's a little bit of steampunkiness to war machine because you have war machines with steam yep. you could do a similar thing like this plates of iron uh gears pipes steam pipes that sort of thing that's another way of making your army unique you could paint them in the, like, if it's a signal army, you do the same blue and gold or blue and white or whatever, but different type of base. So just a little something that maybe you don't see all the time. Or maybe it's something that you do see more frequently here. Okay, uh, so Saruman, all it is is just a chunk of Sculpey. This could even be just a piece of plaster or whatever. Painted it very dark blue. And then these little gold stripes on there just to indicate the floor of Orthanc. So, I mean, let's say if I want to do a whole army this way, for whatever reason, that was some other type of fantasy thing, you could do something like that. Here's my Greyjoys. Just move some of this out of the way. So basically, sort of, a, they're coming out of a marshland, or maybe they're walking out the edge of a river. So these are some 3D printed bits. These are from Make It Epic. So cattails and reeds and some stumps here. And then just some Daz air dry clay pressed into some Woodland Scenics molds. So again, just some flora and fauna that was 3D printed. And stick them on these bases, that same heavy gloss gel for the water. Because the whole thing with the Greyjoys is this aquatic theme, right? Well, here, it looks like they're stomping around in some water or a marsh or a swamp or something like that. Again, gives them a whole different theme just by the basing. Now, we were, we were talking about these in terms of, okay, that the freehand, that the color scheme. 
forget the forget the color scheme. Let's say it's the same exact box art color scheme. The base is different though, because all they give you is just a sheet of MDF. That's it. Most people they'll paint them blue, or maybe they sort of indicate some waves. Guess what I did? I took that same heavy gloss gel, and you can see the texture right here because it hasn't been painted yet. So see the wake on the back of the boat. See the bow uh, wave right there. That's the same. See, we got it here. The wake on the stern, the bow wave there, and then all along each starboard and port side, you have that something that you probably would not see on the vast majority, if not all, of Armada bases. So again, even though it's not, it has, you know, let's forget about the color scheme part of it. That is some other way of making it unique. Okay, here again, this is a 32 mil base, typical 40K size base, texture roller, and a basing bit. Again, another way to make your army really unique. Green Stuff World makes it really easy because, oh look, they have a Necron roller. They have a Tau roller. They have an Eldar roller. They have a Dark Eldar roller. <laughs> and this is they have a couple of just pure sci-fi. This is the triple hex roller. They have sort of a factory floor roller. And I just combined the two. Uh, just rolling out the Sculpey sheets like this. Uh, I used this for a Baratheon unit, and it was really, really, really fun. Uh, all I had to do was just paint some of the like the green elements in there, and then everything else kind of a yellow to give it that Baratheon look. So Necrons, right? I mean, we're just we're able to charge through all of these different armies with so many different fun themes. Uh, we've got okay. So there's those same Sculpey blocks. These little bits that you see here, this is the Green Stuff World Stoneworks molds. Some of these pieces, you're just guaranteed to break some of them if you're trying to cast them. So I save all those, and I use them for basing. Oh, wait. It's the same thing. Again, that was a chunk that normally, well, <laughs> I didn't necessarily say the words on the video, but I felt the words, most of which began with F and ended with K. Um, but... <laughs> I saved those. Instead of just chucking them in the garbage in a huff, I saved them, and I was able to do some really unique basing with them. So that's what I'm going to do when the Osgiliath starter box arrives. I'm going to do all of my uh, Osgiliath veterans and my Athelian rangers in this sort of a thing, this broken cityscape type of a... So you usually see rangers in a broken cityscape, but it's kind of overgrown here. It's literally just a piece of broken terrain that I would have had to chuck in the garbage. It's that simple. You could, uh, was it, Hearst molds, I think. That's another thing where you've got lots of really fun, different things that you can use. Same deal, right? Just some Hearst molds. Here's another example of that triple hex roller. That's a little cable that I put on there. Okay, it's a dark angel, yeah. That triple hex roller could work for anything 40K, even for the band squats, it would work for them. If you, if you bought yourself some squats and you're going to have to wait a while to be able to paint them and play them. <laughs> play them. Something like that. You can paint them all anytime you want, but to play them, you're going to have to wait. Uh, here's another texture board. Oh, look, a 3D printed basing bit on there. Just a little uh, little bit brazier right there. Totally changes the theme of this miniature. And guess what? You could have your whole army looking like that. I think we got some other uh, unique things that we can show off here. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Some more of these. Uh, there. That's just the same old Daz air dry clay pressed into woodland scenics rock molds. 
Um, Stick the figures sorry, on top on of second. them. Uh, Most Magic, that is a 3D printed um, roller. Um, it was a free model from... Oh, man, I can't remember who it was from. But um, it was uh, a, one of their freebies um, that they give away every Monday. Um, and they do free rollers a lot, which is pretty good. I mean, this is the size that they want you to print it at. And you're really supposed to make it like large things for like Age of Sigmar and stuff like that. Um, but I'm using it for this. And they really want you to... They, they did a couple of videos on how to use it. They did one that you could use for um, textured rollers for buildings. And I'm just like, eh. I did print a smaller one off, but it didn't do so well. So I'm just using a big one. And I'm doing this really rough, broken ground for my army. Sorry. Okay. Here's some Go more ahead. unique bases. There's that Necron roller again. There's uh, This is my entire Tomb Kings army was done on this type of base. Guess what? It's just Sculpey on cork. This is even simpler. It's a piece of tree bark or mulch, a couple of GW skulls, and that was a 3D printed shield that just it, it cracked as it was cured. So I said, all right, I'm going to use that as just a basing bit for the Witch King. Yep. These are some uh, just some resin bits here. These are from Gamer's Grass. They've got Roman theme bits, Greek bits, uh, Green Stuff World has Celtic theme bits. And, oh, here we go. Look at this. So that's actually a, a resin tree stump there with a face on it. They have a whole set of these things. So you're doing a Wood Elf army or something along that line. I think there's about a dozen or so of these in just one box. Some are bigger, some are smaller. So obviously this would be something either on a large critter or you just stand a hero up on top of it, something like that. And I think I've actually got a few examples of them. And also two, let me show you this. So this doesn't have any paint on it yet. See the uh, little pile of skulls and skeletons right here? It's a texture plate from Green Stuff World. I've done entire, like, two Song of Ice and Fire armies with these things. Now, that's a, a little bit more of a simple, basic kind of a thing. There's some more skelly friends there. And, oh, look at this. Some more skelly friends. So these are just resin, resin sheets uh, of crunch times. I think that's what they call them. They have sci-fi stuff. They have uh, general fantasy stuff. They have a steampunk one which I used for this. So I just added a couple of gears to it. So that was basically a crunch time plate with a steampunk theme, and I just added some of the same plastic gears that I did with, where's our Wild West Exodus lady? The one that you saw earlier with the plastic gears. I We can go on forever and ever with all of these different fantastic themes. And again, here's some of these texture rollers. This is one of the newer ones, kind of a vampire theme. That's sort of a more generic type of a theme. And here's that Roman theme. So basically what I did was I eliminated this, and I eliminated the Latin right there, and I just kind of worked my way around it, used the other stuff that didn't what? have the Latin. Why did you get rid of the Latin? Uh, because it was for my Nazgul's, for, so for Lord of the Rings. What, Nazgul's don't know Latin? Uh, only pig Latin. They only know pig Latin, not real Latin. So I just wanted to get rid of the eagle imagery and all that kind of stuff. So it was very easy to work around that. Obviously, 
winter theme basing, but with a little bit more than just, oh my gosh, the little piles of white paint that people will throw on their miniatures. It's uh, Now, you don't necessarily have to use the crushed glass snow. I love it because it gives you so many more uh, possibilities. But here's some 3D printed trees with icicles hanging on them. We've got simple bulletin board cork, but it really does set a very nice theme for this Night's Watch unit. And it can help with ranking them up too. Let's say you're doing Kings of War, you want a multi-base unit and basically turn it into a diorama. This is the way to do it, right? With these 3D printed bits, the crushed glass snow. So you can see some parts of it, it's heavier. Some parts of it, it's almost translucent, like uh, it's a little bit more melted. Some parts of it's more like fresh fallen snow, and it's actually up on the trees, even some parts of the miniatures here. Because guess what? When I walk to the grocery store that's a block and a half away, even if it's just like a one or two inch snowfall, I'll come in there looking like the abominable snowman. I'm covered in snow. So guess what? Your guys should also, well, maybe have some snow on them too. Let me see. We got some other examples here of some Sculpey basing ro uh, rollers. So again, the same Sculpey blocks couple of skelly friends there and another texture roller now uh, sometimes you end up with extra bits when you're doing uh, assembling an army that was where this comes in so I had some extra heads extra torso torsos extra swords and shields and on a lot of my bases I did for this vampire counts army I just put a little skelly friend down on his base uh, texture roller uh, the cork, the bulletin board cork, and then a nice little skelly friend there just kind of leaning up against the base, looking nice and dead. Wonder if he's going to get stomped on by the horsey or not. Uh, more of the 3D printed basing bits, just some trees. The same uh, trees that I used for the Night's Watch, except uh, no snow on them. You could put leaves on these things, right? You could get some foliage for them if you wanted to be more of a wood elf type of a thing. Somewhere around here, I've got a wood elf that's uh, basically walking around on top of a tree branch somewhere. Let me see if I can find him somewhere. No, I guess he's not around here, but I do have this guy right here. That's literally just a tree branch. That's just a chunk of tree right there. A little twig broke off this part, and I've got him standing on there. It's, it can be that easy. Just sticks that you pick up off of the ground. And then we've got another example here of... That sandy base, I've got a whole Lord of the Rings army with that same kind of sand dune type of thing. That's just a Daz air dry clay. I think we're actually doing some of that on stream. I swear that we were. I'm not not totally sure, but I think so. And let me see. We've got, I think we have another example here of just some simple tree bark with a couple little skulls sitting on it. You could use mulch if you don't have the tree bark. Uh, more 3D printed bits here. So some foliage there, stump there, some mushrooms. The base I didn't even buy. Oh, that's bulletin board cork, by the way. It's simple bulletin board cork, a couple of 3D printed bits, boom, done. Certainly has an elf, woodland, whatever type of a theme to it. And, of course, the nice thing about the 3D printed basing bits is you can make them any size, any scale that you want. Another one of those Daz air dry clay bases with some of the... Now, this is not the crushed glass snow. I think I used some of the green stuff world uh, snow flock there. And some 
some tufts from armored wolf. So it gives you kind of looks mountainous, right? Looks like he's in snow. Something that's a little bit more unique. Now, as far as say color schemes go, this is another way I made the army unique. So this is the the Candish army has no named heroes. There's usually not one big hero like Theoden and then some minor heroes and then some guys. It's just kind of a bunch of minor heroes. So I wanted to have three kings, and each one's going to lead a warband. Each of the warbands has a different color horsey and a different sort of a freehand and color on the miniatures. So this way I know which warband is which, and it's certainly a very different-looking army than the typical Candish army, which is black or red, or both. Here, as you can see, we pretty much have no black or red involved in any of these color schemes. Just trying to make things as unique as possible. And then again, that the balsa wood stuff here with the flames. Uh, here you even have a little hint of that Rohan building texture, whatever design, something like that. Set in Rohan aflame. Now with uh, the Asiarchs, I also used, I think I used that same texture plate on them. No, well, here's an, oh, look, another skelly friend there, more little skull, and just a piece of tree bark, leftover shields and weapons. If you do anything that involves sprues, you're going to have leftover bits. And so, saving those and using them, not a bad idea. Wanted to bring up something that you did before the podcast. <clears throat> and you did a Sisters of Battle in a certain theme, and you showed it off. And how much crap did you get for that? So first, first talk about the, the sister battle that you made. So this was my Sisters of the Raven army, and I'm going to bring out a few of them here. Okay, let me bring out, where's the other one that I have? Here we go. So this was my uh, Sisters of the Raven, uh, kind of a gold and green. They all had red hair. They had blue woad on their face, and this is actually another one of those green stuff world bits. It's kind of like a Celtic statue there. And then the imagery, obviously, with the Celtic knotwork. And I had a lot of fun with this because I was trying to find something different. Not red, not black, not white, because every Sisters of Battle Army are those colors. Apparently, those are the only colors you're allowed to use. And should you use any other color besides red, white, or black for your sisters, you need to be executed and tarred and feathered and just banished from all Sister of Battle communities. So I posted once, and people went, Sisters of Battle don't wear green, and they don't have gold. So I said, all right, see you guys, and never posted there again <laughs> because I went, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, not what I was expecting. You know, your, your pretend battle nuns in their fictional boob armor and everything else, apparently they're real, and they would never be caught dead wearing green, especially after Labor Day. My goodness, yes. It's after Labor Day. You don't dare wear green if you're a sister of battle at all. So I was, that was not the ex uh, reaction I was expecting. Which I, I, I don't understand. I'm like, no, don't get me wrong. If you were painting something, you know, offensive, you know, like, you know, swastikas or something, you know, I would, you know, people giving you shit for it. But a paint scheme is something you shouldn't be giving people crap over. I mean, there's no reason for that. It's like, well, this is my own personal chapter I made up. So fuck them. You know, 
Now, okay, if somebody wants to get jinky about my Slava Ukraines or something like that, if they come from a certain part of the world and they get all jinky about that, okay, that you can almost understand, even though it's still a pretend toy soldier. But actually, I had people get all cranky when I did my Rohan stuff. And you'll love this. They said they wouldn't wear that color or that shade of green. I had to take, it got so crazy and people started attacking each other back and forth. It got so nuts. I took it down and I just, I said, okay, that's it. We're just taking this post down. Don't want to deal with this crap anymore. And I said, that is not what I was expecting because they were all, uh, they were like this completely re-sculpted, totally changed around tons of freehand on them. They said, oh no, they would never have that, those designs and not that shade of green. So the sisters, what was their, what was their reason for not that shade of green? I'm kind of curious. They said it was too much of a blue green. They wouldn't wear that bright green. These were royal guard, so these are like the elite of Rohan, like the king's guard. They said, oh, they would never wear something fancy like that. They said, okay, first of all, Rohan doesn't exist. Just just so you know, in case you haven't heard, doesn't exist. And these are the king's guard, which they might have something a little bit fancier than. You know, Joe Strawhead running around on his farm horse with a spear in his hand. But nope, that was, uh, they could not absorb the fact that it was not the right shade of green. The fact that these were green uh, obviously made uh, certain people soil themselves multiple times in anguish. Don't know why, but the wrong shade of green, that was an even bigger surprise. So, yeah, that was uh, not something I was expecting to see. <laughs> so every time I post something, I never quite know if there's going to be a reaction like that. Like, no, that fake pretend fictional army would never wear that. Don't get me wrong. Unless it's like written into the story and they're like, I'm doing this as historically, you know, whatever towards the story. I can get people like, oh, well, that's not going to happen or whatever. But I'm like, you can do whatever you want. It's your army. And that was, uh, again, I've had uh, other instances over, well, okay, if, if you base them a certain way, they'll say, well, that's going to look weird on the table. I said, so you only ever play on one type of table? You never have, like, a desert mat or a, a, a forest mat on a table? You're not playing on a table that has, like, an urban town or something like that? And guess what? Your bases with just static grass on them, they're going to look just as ridiculous on that. Because uh, basically, uh, okay, something like my, my Moria bases or even like this, they say, well, that's going to look weird on a, on a game table that's not just flaming Rohan. I said, well, yeah, if you're playing on a snow base or a snow thing and you have flowers on your grass, they're like, those are some really hardy flowers that are clearly growing in the middle of the Arctic. And somehow your guy must have peed on all the snow around him because there's no snow on his base. <laughs> Yet you're playing on a table that has a snow mat. So there's a good, I mean, you've played in enough different game stores to know that you're going to run into maybe a game mat that looks a little bit different than what your bases are. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, and sometimes for me, it's a gameplay thing. So one of the reasons I did the Easterlings in this dark blue scheme is at the time they did not have special miniatures for black dragon upgrades. It was just, you take your guy and you say, for two more points, he's a black dragon. Now they have miniatures for it. For 15 years, they didn't. 
that's why I came up with this blue color scheme so that I and the other player would know instantly who is a black dragon and who is not. Because Lord of the Rings is not a rank-up unit game. It's a individual versus individual. So you, otherwise, unless you want to point to the same figure 20 times, that's a black dragon, you could just say, oh, yeah, he's blue and gold, he's a black dragon. The other guys that don't have the upgrade are more traditional. They have red and then a little bit of blue with them to indicate they're part of the same army, but clearly are different grades of troop or something like that. Uh, fortunately, nobody's uh, gotten bonkers on me about that, but oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> you you never quite know what it is people are just going to have an aneurysm about. Yeah. And th the point is, paint it however you want. It's your army. Your model. You bought them. You can paint whatever you want. You I mean, I had... I had uh, so, like, my Kador army is black and turquoise. Um, primarily black with turquoise highlights, you know, on certain panels and stuff like that. And people were like, no, that's too much like Signar. I'm like, who's Signar? The story Signar. Don't care. That's the story Signar. That's not my army. My models, my army. I can do whatever I want. So, yeah, it, so it, it just kind of cracks me up. I, I, I laugh at that. People that get all upset about not painting towards studio scheme or not painting towards, you know, whatever. I'm like, don't care. It's funny because people keep asking me to, they want to have basically studio uh, examples of Starks. I've painted two Stark, basically the equivalent of two Stark armies, and they're all in yellow and blue and painted like Agincourt. So they're in quarters with fleur-de-lis on them. The same Stark from Song of Ice and Fire in the starter box, none of which were painted towards the regular studio color scheme. And I painted basically two entire armies worth of them. Even the like the siege weaponry, everything else, was done as, as if they were French at Agincourt with the, the yellow and the blue in quarters and fleur-de-lis painted wherever I could stick those in the freehand. And I can only imagine just how crazy people would go if you were to show up at a Song of Ice and Fire tournament with something like that. Yeah. Two tears in a bucket. Fuck it. It's just, well, that's, again, kind of a pretend universe. Not real. Hate to break it to you. Yeah. And it's, it's they're, they're little toys. Hate to break it to you. They're not real men. But maybe uh, not No, don't get me wrong. Like I said... If you're playing in a historically accurate game and like the competition requires you to have st historically accurate models, I, I, I can get that. You know, that, that that's an understandable thing, but we're not playing historically accurate games and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it gets worse get though uh, when you play the historically accurate games oh yeah because that's not the right shade of khaki that's not the right shade of field green that's not the right shade of this that or the other like these guys are just playing around inside of a house never exposed to weather or elements that would change the color of your uniform in about a week being exposed to all that i mean everybody there was a point where people thought that leather hat that i used to wear was actually a confederate hat because it had been so bleached by the sun that it was gray i would turn it over show them the inside which was a bright blue and i said that's what that hat used to look like between sunlight and acid rain this is what it looks like now 
and then just sweat from it being on my head. So those things change. That's there were a few reasons why I just kind of gave up on the historical stuff. Um, oh, that Dauntless dive bomber that I painted on the anniversary of the Battle of Midway on stream. There was somebody that went on the in the, the chat and they were going bonkers that there were parts of it that had a little bit of weathering or dirt on it. They said they would wash those off right away. I'd say, well, then why is it that every picture I see, some of these things look like they just, you know, were, were in a swamp. They're that dirty. And you know what? Maybe if they saw an entire flight of Japanese planes coming their way, they'd just launch the fighters and so they wouldn't die. Instead of like, oh my gosh, it's dirty. We have to wash them off first. <laughs> and of course, they're being exposed to seawater. I mean, there would be some weathering going on because they're sitting on an aircraft here in the middle of the freaking ocean with sun yeah. beating down on them. It would change things just a wee bit. There's guys walking on these planes, scraping the paint off of them. So it just, I just kind of had to unfortunately give up on the historicals because it wasn't worth it. It was just too much of a hassle. Which was sad, but unfortunately, that's kind of how it was. I kind of expected less of that in the fantasy sci-fi world, but uh, it still happens. Oh yeah, it still happens, and it's stupid. There's too many people that just get. Now, now, if you're having like a painting competition, like uh, we're doing a painting competition, or someone's doing a painting competition for historically accurate miniatures. I can get people being picky about that, but that's a competition. This is me playing with whatever I want. Or if it's a, you know, whatever. And especially for non-historically accurate stuff. Go fuck yourself. Um, so we kind of went off on a little bit of rant there on this stuff. But because uh, we're almost out of time for this. Looks like we're getting close to our time. Um what are some ways that you think that you should be making your army unique, but not making it such a, a burden to yourself? Like, I am doing my um, Warcaster stuff is done in color shifting paint. And so that can be a pain in the butt because it has to be airbrushed most likely, or I like to do it airbrushed better than anything else. And so the entire army has to now be done like that. What's a better way that we could do it without, you know, the least amount of stress for yourself? The easiest way is with the basing because you could, you could paint the army in the same color scheme even. But if you make the bases different than just, oh, look, it's got green static grass and a couple of flower tufts. Just that simple thing, a texture roller, uh, to the, some of those 3D printed bits, some of the resin bits, all those different things that I showed you, that alone will make it interesting. Without you know a lot of extra impact where you're sculpting bases or something like that. Uh, for 40k things maybe just put some some rubble on your base or again there's all kinds of 3d printed stuff that you can do there's resin cast stuff so you there you don't have to be sitting there sculpting everything yourself if you don't want to just buy some of it's out there buy it stick it on your base put your miniature on there paint it however you want and you're done boom that's that's the easiest quickest way the easiest to replicate because if, the, if this guy's on a bigger base, will you just make a bigger version of it? 
instead of let's say you do a whole different color scheme and now you've got to figure out well how the heck do i make this dreadnought look like it's the same color scheme as my general troops or some a big fantasy character a big giant dread how do i make that look like it's part of an army color wise if the base is the same as the rest of your army by default people will just associate all of that as one coherent thing and since you can literally just buy those bits instead of having to actually make them yourself that's probably the least impactful way the fastest way and yeah the easiest to replicate because all you're doing is just placing some of these bits out on the base instead of having to remember colors or freehand or anything like object source lighting probably the easiest least impactful way cool and now it's 758 it's almost time for media section yeah um i'm gonna i got this last bit i need to put on a base i had a little bit left over so i was like oh i'm gonna put this last piece on there so let me get this on here one of the things i learned while this 3d roller is good and it's not that big of an issue putting it on here that but i do have to roll it I do have to put it on here pretty thick above because it does have a lip. And so I have to actually make it kind of mounded up is the best way to put it. It's got to be a mounded thing. I can't, you don't make it flat as the same size as the, the base. You got to make it a little bit of lip to it, a little bit of mound to the top of it, or you won't get any print on it because of course the model, the roller, hits the side of the base and you don't go anywhere with it. I know with the green stuff world, their texture rollers, uh, at first they didn't have any kind of guides. I made basically two parallel pieces of uh, mat board to try and keep it at the same level. They ended up making some, I think it was three different thicknesses of rubber rings that you could put on the ends of the roller. And that, Oh yeah. It's not 100% effective, but it's about 97% effective so that you don't have one side that's like smashed down into the roller or down into the clay and the other side has no texture at all. It, it does a reasonable job of making sure you're somewhat even. Well, I mean, I don't mind if this texture and it's got like a mound or a hill or whatever because, I mean, this is, you know, it's going to be weird shaping anyway because, hell, it's a Malifaux got weird shape and mature terrain anyway but like this one needs to I need to re-roll this one actually could I add I'm gonna add it to this one um well what's funny is uh I've noticed that this company I think Simon Armstrong is who this is I can't remember the top of the head that did these they give you a free miniature every week or a free thing to print every week and then, you know, you, they have their Patreon so you can get more. But um, they actually have a little cutout. So you roll it out as a sheet and then you cut out like 25 millimeters, 30 millimeters, you know, whatever. Uh, and you can cut it out and do that because they have where you can make coins. I think the last one they did, like this one this week, was making like gold coins and stuff so it was kind of neat they, that's fantastic kind of... wow that's really that is nice yeah, i'll have to i'll see if i can find it real quick but while we get ready there we go that's a little bit better okay let me put my stuff away 
I don't want this stuff drying out or getting worse. And we'll switch over to the media section. Wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about your stuff first. Well, we can go back and forth like we usually do. Um, I don't have a lot this week. There's, I have noticed that there is shows are ending. Or my shows are ending, I should say. The shows that I typically watch are ending. They're, you know, not... Nothing's coming back. For the simple fact. Alright, let me swing this around. Um, do, 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 do. Um, let me see if I can find that thing real quick. Um... I'm going to link to this guy's stuff because, like, he's done banners, he's got a Patreon, some really cool rollers, you name it. And he's got, like, you know, you do it. Uh, he gives you a free miniature weekly, and then he's got a Patreon where you can buy more stuff. So I'm going to I'm gonna link to his Patreon real quick because, I mean, it's, it's worth it just to even get the free. You don't even have to subscribe to his... Um, his, you know, his Patreon to get the free miniature. There's that individual custom custom miniature maker, and they make some cool stuff. Let's switch it over to the media section. Um, Xander, yes, it did. Um, okay, so I only have a few. I don't have a lot this week for the simple fact that. Like I said, a lot of my shows are very few are starting and a lot of the movies are gone. So there's not much for me to watch per se. So I don't know what's going on. Um, so let's start with uh, Xander brought it up. Andor. Andor came out uh, this week with a three week starter. Uh, Andor is the five years before Rogue One, I believe is what they're going to do. They're going to do five years before Rogue One. Now, of course, Rogue One, I think, was one of the best Star Wars movies we've had. Uh, outside of, um, you know, Jedi stuff. And I, I want to do this. Um, I want to do this. This show is Star Wars the Gritty. This is not Star Wars the Jedi loving and you know, lawfully good stuff. This is Star Wars, the war is hell. You know, a rebellion is hell type thing, which I like because it also shows a different side of, you know, Star Wars, which needs to be seen because everybody thinks, oh, it just happens, blah, blah, blah. This is how it starts and everything. Um, first three episodes, no spoilers. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It is a Star Wars... Uh, that needs to be seen. Like I said, it's a Star Wars that needs to be checked out. Um, people need to realize that, you know, it's not all about Jedis. Um, but about, you know, a group of individuals, you know, going out and taking care of, you know, this evil empire. So, I mean, it's, um, it was good. Um, what's interesting about this is, um, the actor was saying 
that while they were filming and you hear the music while they're filming, they actually put the orchestra on set. And the orchestra was playing while he was, you know, walking and doing things. And I probably would have lost it. He says at one point he got emotional uh, because, I mean, that's, that's got to be something crazy to sit there and get the full immersion of the, you know, the world while you're doing it. I mean, if I were, uh, if I was on a Star Wars set, one, I would be, it would be, you know, my greatest joy in the entire world to be on a Star Wars TV show or movie, but, but be a main actor. And then you have the music there playing and it's all there and it's all real and so on and so forth. I would have been like, holy shit. I probably would have said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to take a break because this is cool as hell. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, characters are fine. Um, this was a lot of world building and a lot of story building right off the bat in the first three. That's the reason why they brought out all three. Uh, because now it's about to ramp up um, and get kind of crazy, if you would want to say. Um, but I've enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to it. Don't have any issues with it. Um, we're just getting started, so I mean, you really can't say much. Um, but I'm ready to see more. Type thing. Did you get a chance to watch any of it, uh, Jim? No, that's a Disney Plus thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, see, the only way I can see that is on the Win TV, and that's in the room where Kathy is. So that's something we'll have to, when she feels better. I think we'll be able to tackle that. I've heard a bunch of really good things. Somebody talked about you see uh, like a different side with the stormtroopers. Like they're not they're not just run of the mill. They actually only come out when stuff's really hitting the fan. It's a lot of local militias actually take care of a lot of the business around the Empire and the stormtroopers. That you don't you kind of see them as garden variety and a lot of other things, but this treats them a little bit differently. Like when they appear, something. Like if they if they show up, you know something big is happening. Yeah, that was that was something that uh, someone had mentioned with them, and it was three episodes in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they said that they had, uh, they they could tell that there was you could feel something was building, whereas other times, nothing's actually happening, but they're supposed to be building. They said no, this actually felt like something was being uh, something was going to happen, that they're building something that it wasn't going to be pretty. Yeah, it, it it was it was you can tell that this these three episodes were a build up to what's going to happen in the season. That's the reason why they released all three at once to begin with, which I'm good with that. Not a problem whatsoever. So, no spoilers. Um, but it was good. I liked it. It was good and fun. So, hopefully it'll be, you know, keep on and keep on in type thing. So, um what do you got for this week? Uh, this week, it's sort of a an analysis. Now that we're five weeks into a certain show, and how far is House of the Dragon? Is that five or six episodes in? It's five episodes. We're going to the sixth one tonight, um, and this is the time jump. Okay, so basically, um, you have these two shows, a tale of two shows. Both roughly came out at the same time, and I was kind of, I'm really glad now that both came out at once. Uh, because it's really, really helpful. I think maybe lessons will be learned by seeing what's happened with these two shows because they both, for one reason or another, they face some challenges. Uh, obviously, 
uh, with House of the Dragon, there was what happened with season eight and potential ill will or skepticism at best generated by that. So that was probably their biggest hurdle was in some ways trying to resurrect the franchise. Correct. I mean, do I feel like this show is a money grab or try to keep um, uh, Game of Thrones in the spotlight? Yeah, I do. Is it a good show? Yeah, it's still pretty good. That, uh, it's still the, a good fantasy series. That's the interesting thing about this. And it's, again, it's a tale of two shows. And now the one show had the disadvantage of announcing they were going to be doing the show about 57 years ago, pre-virus. And I think the virus that didn't do them any favors because it extended the time period here for people to start to maybe wonder what's going to happen with it. And they, one had kind of a disastrous lead up to it, an advertising campaign that was just, let's let's do everything wrong in this ad campaign. And I think maybe House of Dragons saw that and went, we won't do that. How's about we don't try that kind of uh, method for promoting our show yeah. so that no one wants to watch it. So that was another interesting thing. Now, I'm kind of glad we'll come back to that aspect of you can resurrect the show or resurrect the franchise. Um, I'm kind of glad that they were able to show it's possible with competent writing, decent acting, and good sets, good visuals, decent costumes, and essentially not insulting the viewer's intelligence, because that, <laughs> that is something that's we're going to get into that. Because the other program, and we're just going to refer to it as the other program, because it doesn't deserve a name anymore, um, they have really kind of gone into that insulting the viewer's intelligence, very mysterious, uh, weird things where they repeat stuff. They they foreshadow things so obviously and then continue to foreshadow them as they happen. Very, very strange. Don't understand why they choose to do that. But they just the, the writing, unfortunately, when you have poor writing – if you have inexperienced actors, they're going to struggle. You're almost putting them in a, a lose-lose situation where if you have a decent actor, because there's some actors on the show that when they have good dialogue, they can really push it, right? When they have something that's a little shaky, they can sort of dress it up a little bit and make it look more substantial than what it is. Now, the what's interesting, having these two shows at the same time, you can't just say, well, you hate this show because of this. No, when you have two shows that are very similar, one in the Nielsen ratings is gaining viewers, which is unusual midway through a season, and the other one is hemorrhaging viewers faster than a Harfoot caravan with no wheels. <laughs> um, that's, that shows that there's a problem. Well, you know what's funny is I'm watching, um, I'm watching both of them, and... Um, House of Dragon doesn't have me as glued to the TV as much as um, Rings of Power because House of Dragon is it's to me it's like okay it's all right in my opinion is it bad no is it great to me no um, and they're about to do a major time jump where most of the characters you know, are going to become adults. And it's, I think it might be a shock to people. I don't know. If they keep going, good with it. 
But Rings of Power, now I'm going to say, not this last episode, but the episode before. Of course, no spoilers. Last This week's episode, I enjoyed. Last week's episode, I didn't enjoy very much. I was it was it was very slow, very boring, a lot of more building and I'm like we need to start and it looks like after this episode the building is over. Then now we're getting into the major story, the major characters, a lot of action, so on and so forth. Um but this last episode of Ring of Powers I liked. Um we're getting somewhere. The episode before, I I didn't think we get we got anywhere. It was just more building and I was just like, "Eh, Actually, it was ironic that this episode you ended with nobody any further than they were after the last episode. Still hadn't left Numenor. Well, that, still they on left. a caravan. Yeah, still just, it's just there's the stupidity level here, where you have they're in a certain tower, and the elf who has spent a lifetime there pulls aside a tree branch and goes, "Oh, look at this," and he apparently knew it was there, but he never bothered. To go, you know what? That kind of looks like uh, that doesn't look terribly Elven. That kind of <laughs> looks like Sauron. Yes. Um, what the hell is with that? Okay. Um, well, make sure we don't spoil anything. Well, <laughs> at this point, there are five episodes in. Well, you, we don't spoil, no matter what. Well, sorry that we're going to get into some of the lore. So this is where it's not so much about spoiling things, but just okay. Here is how silly things are, where they contradict themselves. Now, yeah. this is not a spoiler. The orcs, one minute, they're being literally roasted in the sunlight. They're catching fire. The next minute, the same orc like pulls a little light cloak over his head, and he's running around in the sunlight. Get your story straight. Yeah. The I Harfoots, this the most was... murderous beings in all of Middle-earth, what is going on with this? The dialogue is so silly where they say, well, we don't want to create widows and orphans so that we don't do that. We're going to kill off this family so that we don't create widows and orphans. We're going to kill six people just so we don't kill like a couple people. That's stupid. I mean, that's just asinine, unfortunately. And they do this over and over again. You know, character has a temper tantrum. Another character breaks an oath and nothing happens. You're familiar with the Army of the Dead, right? In The Return of the King? Yep. Those guys broke an oath. And look what happened to him. In this show, not only does somebody break an oath and nothing happens, the other person, he tells the person he broke his oath to him, and the guy's like, oh, all right. What? Well, I mean, this that's is... his best friend, though. So he, he he's like, okay, this it, is it something It doesn't that... matter. Best friends don't matter in, in this universe. Well, oath is your bond. Maybe not in this universe, because that was a whole different set of... That was an army... And a king that did it to a king, and this is between friends, because if this you were to think about it... This is any personal oath, you are, you are cursed. If you break an oath in this universe, that is the worst thing you can do. Maybe this was, an oath, maybe this was before that started happening. Uh, no, that oath was done around this same era. And in any era, you don't break oaths. It just it does not happen in this universe. So we can go back to the Lord of Rings, the movies... And plenty of people broke oaths in the movies. There were no there were no oaths said that were broken in the movies. Wait a minute, Rohan. Uh, people didn't answer. You know when people did it previous. That's breaking an oath, wouldn't it be? They answered the call. But they before that, when they didn't answer the call. No, they, they, they did answer. 
they Correct. were but when, once they weren't years, fighting once they weren't fighting at Helm's Deep, they gathered their survivors. Yeah, I, and I think I think them. you're reading way too much into this, Jim. <laughs> I really think you're reading way it's too much insulting. into this. Look, there's a reason why this show has an audience score of 39 and House of the Dragon has an 85. It's House of the Dragon has an 85 because it's super violent and it's got tons of sex and nudity in it. And like I said, to me, House of Dragon, it's kind of just meh. It's just there. There's, there is there, we're about to go where they're going to jump probably 10 years. And the jump is just, I'm like, why? I mean, there, we don't need a jump like that. You could have kept the same actors and just kept on building the story to get to it. So are we jumping because there's a better story coming up? Or are we jumping because you just felt like it? I mean, because really the characters were just now getting to be interesting and we lose all all the good actresses, but keeping all the actors. I think we lose. <clears throat> I think we lose the two girls because they become adults, but all the men actors are the same. They just age them. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I guess I'm having fun with Rings of Power. I guess I didn't like last week's episode. I thought that one was boring and it was too much. Uh, this one, I had uh, a good time with it didn't have an issue with it um but if it doesn't start ramping up and start doing more it they've got to or they're just, they're they're like I said, they're going to lose a lot more than they expect i mean we're already guaranteed for a season two um don't know if we'll go much further than that but it's got to start getting to the action and that's what makes game of thrones house of dragons i guess more popular it's because it's got a ton of action and a ton of violence and a ton of things are happening. There's a lot of small things that are happening in Rings of Power and not a lot of big things like Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, there's just nothing that's ha- except, well, you have boats that have a bunch of teenagers on a, on a field trip to Middle Earth. Tell me how you're supposed to fit 100 cavalrymen, 100 horses, somewhere between 85 to 100 crew on those boats. They could have just... They spent a billion dollars on this. You could have just CGI'd some bigger boats. Uh, what was really hilarious, and we'll just call it Haradville. That's that's what we'll just name it that. They had a, basically a crowd of about 100 people, and they were listening to a really lame, stupid speech that had no consequence. And as it turns out, almost 100% of the people were just the same three guys, literally just copied and pasted. Okay, Jim, I have a question for you. Why do you continue to watch it if you don't like it so much? Because it's almost over, and I was hoping that it was going to... My <laughs> hope was that this was going to be a great show, and that I could watch it for years to come. It, it started out, I said, okay, yeah, the first two, it, it, it's, it's slow, maybe things pick up. Then the, the third one, they almost showed signs that maybe they, they could kind of go somewhere. The fourth one was, ah, boy, it was, it was, you could see potential, but they just weren't doing it. This last one was disastrous. It was catastrophic, and it's kind of the the tide turn with this one. And I really hope it doesn't exist after this season. Obviously, it's going to get one more. They could ditch the problems in this one, get some new people on, 
some more adults in the room, and then you have something better next season. They're just again money talks. They they can say they can say what they want, but if they're hemorrhaging cash on this, heads will roll. New people will come in, just like House of the Dragon. If they bring in a bunch of new actors and it's a disaster, then then those people whose idea it was to change all the actors and suddenly turn what was a semi-popular show into something nobody wants to watch, they'll say, okay, who is the idiot that did this? You just that's kind of how the industry works, right? If it's not a success, the person who generated the not success will not be around the next time. And my, it was my hope that this would get better. And I was watching it, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my gosh. Instead of maybe doing something with some of these characters, they had potential, right? The Southlands, there was so many interesting things they could have done, and they sort of set fire to the good stuff they could have done and emphasized the, the meaningless stuff just like little Easter egg type things. And it just, it was disappointing. And that's kind of the general words. I talked to other people about this. This was the episode where they said, okay, that that's enough. They just lost me. That, that was the thing. And it, it's not just a lore type of thing. It's just from the show standpoint where they said, they're treating me like I'm 10 years old. What's up with this? I can see through these things. And they just, they were hoping that maybe the writers would sort of catch their wind right because they're trying to write a certain way and sometimes they do something good like a good line they there was even a little bit of humor in this last episode that sort of hit and it's like oh why couldn't there be more of that instead we're just getting less i I suggest i mean you're you're really worked up about this i would probably i would suggest you probably don't watch this anymore then because i mean like i said i'm having a blast with it and i mean i'm a i'm a decent lord of the rings fans but i'm just letting it roll off as great fantasy story but yeah this is <laughs> i've never heard you this worked up over a show before well remember i don't watch a lot of this stuff correct i have, I have very 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 little time and when the one thing you want that people know you want to piss me off you waste my time if then i feel like I, my time like has been says, wasted I don't watch it anymore then jim because you're you're way too worked up over a tv show <laughs> Well, it's, it affects me because when uh, Game of Thrones nuked itself in Season 8, the Song of Ice and Fire game kind of was taken down with it. The the interest level in that... Oh, no, no, no. That was that was a CMON stopping. That, was, that wasn't the game because that wasn't the TV show. The game was dwindling before the season ended. It, it, it was, the, but it was the straw that broke the camel's back because nobody wanted, believe me, the... None of the Facebook groups grew anymore. They're still at the same level they were then. But guess what? This new show comes out. What are people in my chat asking me about? They're not asking me about Lord of the Rings. They're asking me about Song of Ice and Fire stuff. So it matters. It does matter in people's minds. I mean, I have to be aware of these trends because otherwise I'd be in trouble. And the trend is it's flipped. For No Prairie was like, what is that? Song of Ice and what? What are those miniatures? And then... Because nobody in the last two streams has asked me anything about that show. What they're asking now is about Song of Ice and Fire Miniatures. Hey, did you get the new Martells? There was new stuff still coming out then. It was well, didn't I mean they just sent you a bunch of new stuff too, so you could concentrate on those. But uh, there was new stuff coming out even you know as season eight was kind of kind of imploding. But people got so disappointed at the show that they it was it just kind of had a 
a dampening effect. And that's what I'm worried here that we're just having this big resurgence in the Lord of the Rings game. And if this if this goes south, which it can, and it kind of is. If you're allowing a TV show to diminish your gameplay, then that's a you problem because that is ridiculous to let a TV show stop you from playing a game. Don't get me wrong. If it was, you know, a, you know, they did Nazi imagery type thing in in their TV show and they promoted it, that's a whole different story. But if this is a TV show that did a bad episode, then you should probably be looking at, you know, not watching it and just either play the game and ignore it or, you know, just stop watching the game. Existing or players watching the movies. Existing players like us, we don't care. Doesn't make it doesn't make any difference to me. But you're trying to get new people. You know how it is growing a community. Just like, uh, well, obviously, Privateer Press is trying to kind of regrow their community after some issues, and that that can take some time. And you need every sort of positive thing in your favor, right, to make that community building happen. If especially if there's a, you're, you're like at a very sensitive point. I mean. GW, they put a lot of uh, scratch into making some new Lord of the Rings stuff to draw in new folks. It's clearly designed not really towards the you know, old timers, but it's really geared towards the new guys. Need to be pushing the game and not the movies, or the TV show, I should say, not the movies. Pushing the game and not the not worrying about it. Like, oh, well, did you watch the TV show? No, not really. I'm not into it. I like the game because the game's fun. Again, it's we're talking about a general audience here, not not you and I, who are like ah, we don't really care. You know, if we like something, we like something. Yeah. But the general audience, they can be, uh, well, they're just like 40k stuff, right? They're trying to give it more of a, almost an anime or Gundam type look to it because they're trying to draw in that crowd, which is you know for some of the old timers, I guess, is kind of for schmizzling them a little bit. I. Uh, doesn't matter to me because it's not really a system i do a lot with and it wouldn't affect me and the armies that i would be interested in but there's been people not super happy with the new aesthetic and they just they kind of feel like they're trying to draw in a new audience with it and it's sort of that the old audience is kind of somehow getting aware of that a little bit um let's see there was some what else what i watched this week um i watched oh the new she hulk episode came out and there was actually no stinger after the credits this time, uh, which I was kind of disappointed in. This episode was more about Jen than about She-Hulk. Um, kind of, it was an okay episode. Um, not much happened in it. It was okay. Um... A lot of my other shows are gone off the air. Um, Primal is done, so we won't see any more episodes of that. Um, Harley Quinn did get did get renewed for a new season, which I'm glad for, uh, which I was afraid of because of the merger becoming with HBO and their uh, uh, animation studio. Yeah, Primal was amazing. That last episode was brutal. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of Primal Mose, um, and I, I it was it was interesting, but I yeah, so amazing you couldn't spell it. I know, um, but really there hasn't been much. I know that some shows are coming back, 
some new seasons and stuff are coming back, but not enough and not quick enough. Like I'm actually trying to find shows to watch. Oh, uh, the great British baking show, but that's only on Fridays. Um, that came back. So we're like, we're like in this weird time frame where there's like one or two shows that are on the air that I'm watching and that's it. So I'm like, I'm going to be doing probably doing some more streaming because there's not enough TV shows to me to do stuff. Um, and then I've got to paint some miniatures. So, you know, I've got to get some of that things going. So I don't know. I'm just going to have to try to figure out. Uh, yeah, it's the new season time. Certain things are coming up and a lot of shows I watch are gone, which is the interesting part. Um, and there's not really much anything come out. Like I said, I have Ander, Lord of the Rings, Dragons, House of Dragons, and that's pretty much about it. But, of course, you know, that's not binge-watchable, so it's just there. Uh, Wellington Paranormal? I don't... I haven't... I don't know that. I'll have to look it up, Mo. Don't know it. Um, I will see what that is. Because, uh, actually, and if anybody... You're friends with me on Facebook, I just put a post on there that I'm looking for new audiobooks to listen to. Because I am needing some good audio books. And I need complete series of audios. Um, so if you tell me Wheel of Time, I will punch you. You tell me something that doesn't have all the books in it, I will punch you. If you tell me something that is extremely popular and everybody's heard of, I'll punch you. Uh, it has to be high fantasy. That's the only thing I'm into right now. Um... Yeah, I've never got into Dresden as much. So, um, so if you're if you're on my Facebook page and everything, I did make a post. Uh, and if not, you can send it through more than dice and send me your recommendations. Um, I'm looking for high fantasy books to listen to as I walk the dogs and do work type stuff. So, uh, I need some good high fantasy. I'm missing a lot of that. So, um, and we're actually over the over the time. Um, yeah, Mizzy, Captain Mizzy is working through the Icewind Dale trilogies and I need something to listen to so I can pass it on to her because some of the stuff I recommend she's not into. So, um, other than that. Um, guys, we appreciate you coming out. We appreciate you hanging with us. Um, we appreciate you just spending any time with us. We appreciate it more than anything, really. Um, we'll be back next week. Like I said, I may do some streaming of painting or maybe do some streaming of video gaming. Um, I've got like five trophies I need to finish for Warfare Weekend, and they're just time-taking is all they're going to be. Um, we're going to send you to the painting, Dad, and pass it on to him. Make sure you go check him out and see what he's doing, um, and give him a like and a follow, because like I said, anything that helps people is good. He's actually working on uh, terrain pieces. So, for more than dice... I'm Gonzo. Still not Kathy. One of these days I'll be Kathy. <laughs> Good night.